I just want to thank the president again for the tremendous opportunity to serve this country. Oh, you're welcome. And you're fired. Beat it. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM, people-powered radio in L.A., 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. Out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP. Grand Rapids, WPRR. In New Orleans, on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on uh, KODX, in Goldendale, Washington on KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, The Trump administration hardliners today, the American mullahs, if you will, now seem to be rising. And if news reports from over the past 24 hours or so are any indication, they are rising quickly as Trump's personal, political and legal challenges are now becoming more difficult for him to escape at the very same time. Thus, it uh, it may be no coincidence That Trump seems now to be flailing to introduce even more chaos into the unprecedented chaos already in place more than two years into his administration. As next year's presidential election comes a bit more into focus every day. Please. Pretty please. As I'm sure you've heard by now over the weekend, Department of Homeland Security uh, uh, Secretary Kirsten Nielsen, whose willingness to enact and support such policies as the Trump administration's controversial and unlawful family separation initiative at the border, uh, hardly makes her a moderate. But for this administration, at this moment in Trump's failed presidency, She is now viewed as, I guess, not tough enough to carry on in her job as Homeland Security Director. And she was forced to resign over the weekend as Trump's immigration and border policies continue to worsen the ongoing humanitarian crisis at the uh, U.S. southern border. So as administration officials now tell CNN, 
Secretary Nielsen believed the situation was becoming untenable with the president, becoming increasingly unhinged about the border crisis and making unreasonable and even impossible requests. Impossible, according to the report, uh, because he was demanding actions that were either illegal or already specifically blocked by federal courts. At the same time, the administration is taking an unprecedented step to declare the Iranian National Guard a terrorist organization, the first time any foreign government entity has been designated as such by the U.S. The move, uh, which is controversial inside the administration itself, Uh, That includes among the military and the CIA. The uh, move could have disturbing ramifications for Americans abroad and late today in what would appear to cement the administration's hardline move to the right and an attempt to purge top officials. The head of the Secret Service, Randolph Tex uh, Alice, how do you say it, Alice, Alice? has now reportedly been sent packing as well. So there is a lot going on in the Trump administration today. We'll try to open up the phone lines in a bit to your thoughts on all of that. And anything else that may be on your mind at 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. But as the Trump administration continues to attempt to devolve into more of a lawless, authoritarian, one-man wrecking crew at this point as we work our way into the 2020 presidential season. Uh, We're also trying to keep our eyes looking forward towards the way out of this mess, which we hope the 2020 elections may bring. Uh, Also looking forward to those 2020 elections is the American Civil Liberties Union, who thankfully has displayed heroic efforts in successfully standing up and pushing back legally in the court system against much of the worst excesses of the Trump administration and their blatantly unprecedented disregard for civil and constitutional rights, much less the simple rule of law meant to enforce those rights. But now, For the first time in the nonpartisan organization's history, uh, as they announced at a recent press conference, uh, not coincidentally, by the way, held in the nation's first primary state of New Hampshire, the ACLU is now announcing a $30 million push to help shape elections for the first time by advancing civil libertarian ideas and initiatives amid the 2020 presidential election itself. According to Huffington Post last week, the group is launching a grassroots effort to uh, to push 2020 presidential candidates to commit to cutting the federal prison population by 50 percent. And of particular interest and note to uh, me and listeners of the broadcast to allow incarcerated people to vote. There's an idea. You'll recall we covered in some detail the successful landmark ballot initiative effort uh, last November in the state of Florida for a state constitutional amendment allowing for the long overdue automatic restoration of voting rights for former felons who have completed all of their prison time, as well as their probation and their parole. Florida had shamefully been one of the last states in the union to deny voting rights for life. To ex-felons, to 
felons. But thankfully, that policy is now largely over thanks to the nearly 65 percent of voters who decided last November to end that practice, which had kept millions of Americans in Florida including a wildly disproportionate number of racial minorities, such as one in every five African-Americans in the Sunshine State, from being able to vote at all. They had no right to register or to vote, despite having served their time, completed it, including the full sentence imposed on them by the courts, but Florida still kept them from being able to vote. But Florida's Amendment 4 is now the law of the land in Florida, and it will allow for some one and a half million former felons, except those convicted of murder or felony sexual crimes, to now register and vote in next year's presidential election. That could certainly make a difference in in the results of the notorious swing state of Florida and uh, and who may receive ultimately its 29 electoral college votes next year. Thus, despite the measure passing with a whopping 65 percent, 65 to 35, essentially, uh, last November, uh, after a years long multipartisan effort to get that done, it was supported by everyone from the ACLU to the Koch brothers. um, It it was uh, it would end Florida's decade old shameful and racially based practice. Despite all of that, Republicans in the state legislature, naturally, are now passing legislation at least to try and derail this constitutional amendment, for example, by wildly expanding the definition of what constitutes a sexual felony. And perhaps of most note, requiring that all court fees and fines also must be paid by anyone who wishes to register and vote. That, critics argue, as we recently discussed on the broadcast, uh, will amount to little more than an unconstitutional poll tax. But it ain't stopping the Florida GOP legislature and perhaps its new Republican governor from adopting these anti-voting initiatives, which, like the policy Amendment 4 was meant to roll back, would also disproportionately affect African-Americans in the state. But in the meantime, that's Florida. In the meantime, a full 48 states still allow the currently incarcerated to be prevented from exercising their voting rights while in prison. Only two states, Maine and Vermont, thank you, Maine and Vermont, currently allow the incarcerated to actually vote. I've long found it to be uh, disturbing uh, that... People in prison are kept from voting. I've argued that uh, few are more directly affected by the laws of the land and those elected officials who make and enforce those laws than those who have been found to have violated them. Why should they not have a voice in those very laws? Well, the ACLU is now launching their effort to get the 2020 candidates to commit to positions on these issues and a a number of others As we move into the primary season, which, according to HuffPo, involves marshalling the ACLU's thousands of members in the early primary states of Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada and South Carolina, for example, to pressure candidates on a host of potentially politically thorny questions about civil liberties at town halls and at candidate forums, in addition to elevating criminal justice reform 
And access to voting, other elements of the campaign include reproductive freedom, immigrants' rights, and other civil liberties issues in the 2020 presidential race. In announcing uh, what the ACLU has now dubbed its new National Rights for All campaign, Ronald Newman, ACLU's acting national political director, noted, While we don't endorse or oppose individual candidates, we do want to ensure that they are all talking about key issues our supporters care about. Criminal justice reform, voting rights, reproductive freedom, and immigration rights, among a few. Joining us now to discuss this effort, what it aims to accomplish, and some of the thorny political matters that are involved here, is the ACLU's digital organizing director, Phil Aronianu, and I'm sure I'll screw up the name uh, if I haven't already, uh, who, by the way, uh, Phil was also co-founder of the wildly successful 350.org, the global grassroots movement which has helped organize people worldwide to push their governments to act to combat climate change. Uh, Now he's working with the ACLU. Phil Aronianu, welcome to the broadcast, sir. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Brad. Uh, you bet. Thanks for joining us. Am I anywhere close to pronouncing that uh, name correctly? You nailed it. Oh, I did? All right. Well, then I won't ever say it again because I'm sure I'll screw it up <laughs> from here on out. All right, Phil, uh, please uh, correct me if I misstated anything, by the way, in my intro there. And and otherwise, how does the ACLU foresee the this Rights for All campaign will actually take place over the next year? Uh, or so on the on the grassroots level. What do you hope to see voters do as their part in this effort? Yeah, there are a couple parts of this campaign. The first phase of this campaign is just making sure that we get all 17 plus presidential candidates who are out there talking to voters, mostly in early states, but beyond that as well, get them on the record on these issues, uh, voting rights, mm-hmm. criminal justice reform, immigrant, immigrant justice, and reproductive freedom. And we have some very specific policy platforms that we're trying to get it, get them uh, to commit to. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way that we're doing that is we're empowering volunteers in those early states with the kinds of questions that candidates can't dodge. Uh, they go to those candidate events mm-hmm. where uh, uh, the the candidate might meet with a handful of voters, right. or even a large a large event where they might be at a, a speaking with. Uh, at a town hall or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we empower those volunteers with the kinds of questions, um, and, and we uh, help those volunteers, um, many of whom are directly impacted by these issues, um, have a chance of actually questioning the candidates face-to-face. And, we, and we're grabbing all those interactions on video and posting them up on our website at rightsforall.us. Now, are you asking people, uh, when they ask these questions themselves, to sort of videotape uh, their... their uh... I don't want to call them confrontations, but they're Q&As with the uh, various candidates and, and then send them in to ACLU for posting over on your uh, rightsforall.us website? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we don't anticipate these uh, engagements and conversations to be uh, contentious, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may not agree with everything that the candidate's saying, but we want voters to understand where the candidates stand, because uh, it's kind of hard these days to understand where candidates stand on some of these specific issues like reducing the federal prison population by 50 percent yeah. or um, reducing immigration detention by 75 percent. We really want the candidates to uh, to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. 
And and these are some questions, and I'll po- point folks over to your uh, your site, rightsforall.us slash questions, actually uh, lists some of the questions you're recommending uh, that folks ask on criminal justice reform, immigration, reproductive rights, and, of course, voting rights. Now, Phil, uh, the ACLU has been heroic uh, over the past two years, at least as far as I'm concerned, in its uh, legal efforts in the courts to block or at least rein in the worst excesses of the the Trump administration, what what I would argue are unprecedented efforts uh, by the uh, Trump administration to roll back the very civil and constitutional rights that your organization was founded to protect in the courts. But as as is being reported, this is the first time that the group has ventured, at least in a major way, into actual electoral politics, presidential politics in this case. Wh- uh, why now? What what has changed at the ACLU in that regard, uh, given that I presume you're still a nonpartisan organization that has stood both uh, for and against folks of all political persuasions over the years? That's right. And uh, our, our first major engagement in the political space was in uh, was last year in the midterm elections, mm-hmm. where we really pushed on a number of different ballot measures, and we educated voters in a couple different uh, uh, races, including DA races, gubernatorial races, et cetera. I think we contacted something like uh, two million voters in key places around the country last year, mm-hmm. and among the wins last year were obviously this. Uh, Amendment 4 in Florida, which reenfranchised 1.4 million uh, Floridians. Uh, But also we had wins in places like Michigan, uh, which added automatic voter registration and uh, same-day registration. And in Nevada, on question 5, which is also about automatic voter registration, we we expect that uh, among the, the, the wins for civil liberties in the midterms last year, last November, we reenfranchise something like two million new voters, um, but we don't want to leave that on the table. We uh, really want to look forward mm-hmm. and make sure that the candidates for president in this very critical race are on side on the issues that we care about at the ACLU. We'll continue to fight in the courts. We'll continue to fight in the streets and in ballot boxes around the country, but um, we don't want to leave any any stone unturned. Mm. Um, And we definitely want voters to go to the ballot box with as much information as they can get about the issues that we care about. And I want to sort of talk to you a little bit about the uh, the political ramifications of this in a second. But let's jump into at least some of these, uh, as as HuffPost describes, some of these politically thorny issues. Now, almost all states, uh, with the exception of, I believe, uh, still Iowa and Kentucky, if I'm recalling correctly, and of course Florida, depending on how GOP lawmakers now proceed there in the next few days as they're trying to undo Amendment 4. But um, uh, most states allow felons who have served their time to rejoin civil society by registering to vote. Only two states, however, Maine and Vermont, allow those still serving time in prison to participate. Now, I happen to be with you guys on this. Um, But I've been a lonely voice uh, asking these questions about why people who are incarcerated are not allowed to vote. If 48 states currently prevent uh, incarcerated prisoners from voting, that would seem to be a not very popular position right now. So why does the ACLU believe that these folks should be allowed to vote? Look, if you're in prison or in jail and you've committed a crime, you're serving your time, 
you don't lose your citizenship. And uh, since we believe that voting is a right, you certainly shouldn't lose your right to vote. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the question of how and when this gets done is actually critically important. We, uh, We want this done as quickly as possible. And to do that, we need a president who's ready to use the bully pulpit um, and to work with states to implement what we think is uh, a fully constitutional policy. Oh, uh, and yet, why has this not been? Is this something that ACLU is challenging uh, beyond the, uh, the the political level? But have they been able to go to court and say, hey, these people have not lost their citizenship rights. They should be allowed to vote. Would that be... Uh, I don't want to say a better way to do it, but is that a way that the uh, the, that the ACLU has tried in the past to uh, help enfranchise these people behind bars? I'll have to check up on our past lawsuits, mm-hmm. uh, but I but I can say that we're going to continue to advocate on behalf of folks who um, who have felony convictions mm-hmm. uh, uh, to regain the vote, and we're not going to leave any uh, any tool on the table here, uh, when it, whether it's a presidential race. Whether it's state uh, state legislative policy change, uh, whether it's litigation in the courts, another um, thorny position here is uh, lifting the so-called Hyde Amendment, uh, which bars the use of federal funds for abortions, except in cases of uh, incest, rape, or uh, protecting the life of the mother. Uh, aren't these the type of positions that candidates? Uh, frankly, on the left and the right, uh, b- might consider themselves crazy to endorse during a campaign because they would be so easy to use against them uh, in both the primary and the general elections. Well, look, we're not in the business of electing or unelecting uh, officials. Mm-hmm. We're in the business of protecting our rights, rights for all. Mm-hmm. And we believe that uh, people, regardless of where they live or how much they make, should be able to access abortion other reproductive health care, and that would include lifting the Hyde Amendment. I, I know that um, as a nonpartisan organization, obviously, uh, you don't take political sides, so to speak, but surely the ACLU sees Donald Trump as an extraordinary and perhaps unprecedented threat to civil and constitutional rights. Is that is that fair to say? That's absolutely true. So, With that in mind, can't the argument be made here that forcing some of these candidates to commit to what rightly or wrongly will be seen as far left issues uh, that could be used against them during the campaign? I mean, look at what the GOP, for example, uh, has done with otherwise wildly popular provisions of the Green New Deal resolution and use that as a political, uh, you know, has weaponized that or at least tried to against Democrat. Um, so in some of these uh, questions, and again, I'm supporting you here. I'm just trying to get a, 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 your response to it. But um, if you if you get some of these folks on record for what will be seen as these, quote unquote, far left issues, won't that end up being uh, being seen as a net plus for the reelection chances for Donald Trump, who, as you said, you agreed, is an unprecedented uh, threat to civil and constitutional rights? So. Ultimately, are are you doing a favor for civil and constitutional rights with this campaign, if that question makes sense? <laughs> it does make sense. I, I would just say this. Candidates make their own calculations on what's good politics for them and what's not. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we want to leave the punditry to the 
to the very smart pundits and uh, the folks uh, who uh, can put their finger in the wind and understand where the politics is going. We're here to defend civil liberties and civil rights mm-hmm. and the Constitution, um, and that's what we're asking candidates to do. And, we're, and notably, we're not just asking one party one party's candidates to commit to this. We've um, engaged with people like Bill Weld, who's a former Republican governor of Massachusetts, who's Mm -hmm. campaigning for president. And if any libertarians or other Republicans or independents enter the race, we'll make sure that they hear from us as well. Um, So we're equal opportunity when it comes to pushing candidates to expand their uh, their bold positions on civil liberties and civil rights. And I know you've just launched this uh, this campaign within the past week, uh, but w- which candidates, you mentioned Bill Weld there, uh, have there been other candidates so far that you have been able to engage uh, to get some of them on the record on some of these issues? Uh, if so, which ones, and, and how have they fared, frankly? Absolutely. Yeah, just a few days ago, we... Um, we uh, a volunteer in Muscatine, Iowa, a formerly incarcerated ACLU volunteer, um, asked Bernie Sanders whether he would support uh, expanding what is true for uh, folks who are in prison in Vermont, mm-hmm. uh, which is the fact that they can vote, whether he would support expanding that uh, nationally. And he responded affirmatively, which is in line with our uh, our, our goal there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we've also engaged, I think, something like 30 other candidates, uh, sorry, uh, 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 about a dozen other candidates in almost 30. It, it just, uh, it just feels, it just, like 30 videos, right? Yeah, I was going to say, it just feels like there's 30 candidates, uh, running already, yeah, but does. yeah, I hear you. It does. But we've, uh, yeah, we've collected videos from mm-hmm. about, uh, uh, 30 events mm-hmm. where candidates have responded in meaningful ways to the questions that we've asked. Mm-hmm. And um, when a candidate um, uh, responds affirmatively to uh, one of our policy positions, we're going to share that out with our supporters on uh, social media and with the press, et cetera. Um, but, you know, candidates uh, are learning about these issues right now as well. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that they're educated about what these are about. Not every candidate has solid policy positions on all four of our planks. And so we want to make sure that um, they hear from voters all across the country. There is uh, one example is uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, for instance. She refused to uh, to commit to allowing the incarcerated to vote while responding to questions at a uh, Heartland Forum in Iowa recently. She said once someone pays their debt to society, they're out there expected to pay taxes, expected to abide by the law. They're expected to support themselves and their families. She said, I think that means they have a right to vote. Well, good. Most of America seems to agree with her. But then she said, while they're incarcerated, I think that's something we can have more conversation about. Um would that be considered a success or a failure, as the uh, Rights for All campaign would see that, Phil? I would say that we probably need to have some more conversation with Elizabeth Warren on the campaign trail um, before we could consider that a success or a failure. Uh, the idea that she's saying we need to have more conversation about it, I would suggest, frankly, that's a victory in and of itself, because that is something that we have not. I don't you know, I've been uh, covering uh, this beat elections for about 15 years. And uh, I think I have been the only one, me and, yes, occasionally Bernie Sanders up in Vermont, where they allow it, who's talking about allowing folks behind bars who are most affected by these laws 
uh, to actually have a voice in them. Uh, Phil Arana, uh, uh, see, I told you I would screw it up. Aronyanu, uh, before I let you go, um, wanted to ask, uh, will you be adding uh, questions? Because I have a suggestion for your uh, rights for all. We've got some questions uh, page over at your website. Uh, are you considered, will you be adding questions throughout the season there? Absolutely. And actually, um, anybody, even outside mm-hmm. those first four states, can go to rightsforall.us and ask a question of the candidate using our handy-dandy social media tool mm-hmm. um, and enter your own question. We're actually logging all the questions that are submitted by folks around the country, uh, tallying them up, and we're going to deliver some of those questions directly to candidates face-to-face uh, once we have a critical mass. Excellent. Here's one. Since I happen to know the guy who is the uh, ACLU Digital Organizing Strategy Director, that would be you, Phil. I'm going to say this right to you. Is my suggestion uh, to add to the voting rights section. Do you support the right to verifiable hand-marked paper ballots for every voter in America? It's a huge issue right now as uh, these uh, states and jurisdictions around the country are going to uh, unverifiable computer-marked paper ballot systems. Uh, and the Democrats, some Ron Wyden has been great on it. Pretty much no one else seems to understand the importance of hand-marked paper ballots. So tossing that out as my suggestion to you uh, as your uh, as your campaign moves forward, I will point folks over to your website, rightsforall.us. And again, add slash questions if you want to see some of the questions that Phil has been uh, talking about here and that are helping to kick off this campaign. You can also, of course, uh, follow the ACLU at ACLU.org. And on the Twitters, they're uh, as described as their ACLU's grassroots Twitter army. You can follow them at People Power. Phil Aronanyanu, ACLU Digital Organizing Strategy Director, greatly appreciate you joining us today. And uh, good luck with this, uh, I think, very important campaign. Thanks for having me, Brad. You bet, Phil. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, come back with uh, some of your calls on all of this. If you have any thoughts uh, on this initiative by the ACLU, do you share Do you share the concerns I mentioned that pushing candidates too far to what may be perceived as the extreme left, even though it isn't, but it will be perceived that way, no doubt, by Republicans, by Fox News, Uh, Do you have a concern that that could harm the ability for Democrats to take down who I regard as the most anti-civil libertarian and anti-constitutional rights administration, arguably in our history? If so, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. That and other news is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Right, right. 
You're bloody well right. You got a bloody right to say. Right. You're bloody well right. You know you got a right to say. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Our phone number is 818-985-5735 if you want to ring in on my conversation with uh, with Phil there in the past, uh, past segment concerning ACLU's uh, efforts to get these candidates on record for a lot of key stuff, a lot of important stuff that, frankly, uh, it seems like the journalists should be asking about these things. Uh, journalists should be saying, uh, hey, are, will you commit to decreasing the prison population by 50 percent during your uh, uh, tenure in office? A lot of important questions. I will link over there. I think someone called in asking uh, if these are available on the website. They are uh, at ACLU's uh, special uh, campaign website here, rightsforall.us slash questions and there's sort of four different areas criminal justice reform immigration reproductive rights voting rights uh, print them out add your own bring them to the candidates forums and try to get these folks uh, try to get these folks online and uh, it's not just for I think the caller also asked was this only for presidential candidates you can push any candidates for these questions, and everyone has a cell phone now. So get them on record, get them on video, answering one way or another, and stop by the ACLU's website, and uh, maybe they will publish it. Uh, let's go to uh, 818-985-5735. I'll get to some of this news on this hard right purge that is now going on at the uh, uh, at the White House, at our top executive uh, agencies right now, that is kind of creepy, kind of scary. I'll get to that in a second, but let me get to a quick call here. Bill in Santa Monica. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Uh, thank you, Brad. Uh, speaking of specking candidates in the corner, yeah, I'm black, yep. and Al Sharpton had a meeting of a number of candidates showed up in Harlem last week. And at the end of the meeting, he asked each one the question, are you for reparations? Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're in front of a black audience. They can't say no. But I guarantee you, if they come out for reparations, Trump will grab that. That will be the number one issue he grabs, and he will he will win the election. There will be no white men who will vote for any Democratic candidate that says he's for reparations. I know that. It's insane to even put uh, candidates in that corner. Uh, the Japanese, when they were paid for being locked up in a concentration camp, I mm-hmm. was close to one family. Yeah, there were five children, grandfather or father and mother, and five children. Everyone got paid for that, except the one who was born in 1947. There are no black people in this country who were slaves, and to bring that up as an issue or to make the candidates say they're for reparations, it'll be doomed. No candidate will win. Trump, they will hand Trump a winning issue. And you can say you have a solution for climate change. You can put everybody free education. Mm-hmm. You can um, give Medicare for all. That will be the number one issue. So There's do you, it sounds like it, it sounds like you sort of um, understand what I was getting at when I was asking him about these things. And I don't know, by the way, I don't know your uh, your position on, on reparations. I'm, it sounds like you'd I'm be against them. Left. No, I'm black. Okay, but yeah. It, you know, it, it will lose the election. 
Okay. He, that, he will jump on that faster than he will immigration. And that was Here sort of my point that I was trying to get at, uh, uh, Bill, with these questions, because I think they're important issues. And again, don't know how you feel about reparations. That was not one of the questions that the ACLU lists in this case. But uh, forcing the candidates to a specific policy position that seems to hand something to Fox News, is that a good idea? You seem to be saying no. And I think the other side of the argument is, well, you know what? Fox News is going to take anything they can. The Republicans are going to take anything they can and use it any way they can against Democrats, as you can see with Medicare for All, which is actually wildly popular, as you can see with the Green New Deal, which is actually wildly popular. But they are using it against Democrats anyway. Therefore, shouldn't Democrats just come out uh, and say what they are for without uh, fear that it's going to be used against them, Bill? Well, first, I don't know if they're for that. I mean, as I said, I'm black. It's a non-issue. I mean, let's get on with our lives. I mean, if you want to get <laughs> well, reparations, don't let black people pay taxes for 10 years. I'd love that. But if you, that is the one thing. If you talked about the well, Green New Deal, yeah. that's widely popular. I don't think the... I don't think the Republicans are going to hurt us with that. I don't think the Republicans are going to hurt us with Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. They will hurt us with reparations. It'll be the it'll be the death knell of any candidate all right. who stands up before a white audience and says they're for reparations. All right, thanks, Bill. Sixty years ago. I, okay. I, I appreciate that call, uh, Bill. Uh, although he also points out a reasonable reparations. Oh, they don't pay taxes for ten years. 818-985-5735 is our phone number, 818-985-KPFK. If we don't talk about these issues now during a presidential campaign, when will we talk about them? Uh, we'll get back to some uh, more of your calls in a moment. As I suspect you have heard by now, Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen resigned suddenly on Sunday amid President Donald Trump's growing frustration and bitterness over the number of Central American families and children crossing the southern border. Trump announced on Sunday in a tweet that U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Kevin uh, Michalinen, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, would be uh, taking over as acting acting head of the department. He's a longtime border official, well-respected by members of Congress and within the administration. Um, But, of course, DHS deals with much more than simply immigration issues. The, dish, uh, the decision to name a top immigration officer to the post reflects Trump's priority for the sprawling Department of Homeland Security that was founded to combat terrorism following the September 11 attacks. Uh, Nielsen wrote in her resignation letter, I have determined that it is the right time for me to step aside. I hope the next secretary will have the support of Congress and the courts in fixing the laws which have impeded our ability to fully secure America's borders and which have contributed to discord in our nation's discourse. Well, is it those laws that have contributed to the discord in our nation's discourse, uh, Ms. Nielsen, uh, or, or is it politicians like Trump and, yes, like Secretary Nielsen, who uh, choose to use those laws to do so, to cause discord in our nation's discourse? Also, as obviously aided and abetted by right wing extremist propaganda outlets like Fox News. Do you think any of that is uh, contributing to our discord in our national discourse? Just asking for a friend. 
818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, let me go to uh, J.D. wants to jump in in response to Bill uh, when it comes to reparations. Hey, J.D., welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, thanks so much for letting me be on the show today. Sure. Taking my call. Uh, just wanted to say, uh, Bill, you're not black. Stop fronting. We can all tell on, on, on the air that you are not black. And to go ahead and take the position that he was taking, I think it even goes even shows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was not black with his talking points. But um, aside from that, I love the show, and thank you so much, and keep continuing the good work. Thanks, J.D. I appreciate the call, and I should say I have no idea whether Bill is black or not. I take him at his word. That's all I can say. 818-985-5735. Mark in Sherman Oaks. Hey, Mark, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. uh, Good talking to you. Okay, I think, you know, the way to look at it is the problems are so big, all right? And the swing to the pendulum of the pendulum to the Democrats won't fix anything. And I believe that we do that for a lot. Hold on, let me finish. No, no, it's not that it's not that I don't want to let you finish, Mark, but your phone is crackling and, and breaking up like crazy. So yeah, go ahead, try again. Otherwise I may have you dial back and I'll Can try to get you right back on. Now? Can go you ahead. Hear me better? It's Hello? it's very, very noisy. Mark, call me right back and we'll get you right okay. on, okay? I'm not trying to keep uh, you not trying to keep you out. Um in addition, as long as I'm uh, waiting for Mark to call us back, and uh, we get to some other folks here in a second, 818-985-5735. The uh, removal of uh, Kirsten Nielsen is not the only uh, troubling uh, (laughs) sign coming out of the administration today. Um, Trump and White House allies are pushing for a harder line on immigration Um, According to AP, they sped that campaign Monday with the uh, push to dismiss Kirsten Nielsen. But L. Francis Cisna, the head of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services and General Counsel John Mitnick, are also expected to leave their positions, according to two people familiar with the matter who spoke with AP and several other longtime civil servants in other posts around the agency. I mentioned also at the top of the show, the director of the Secret Service, Randolph Tex Alice, uh, is reportedly also now leaving his job. Um, this comes after uh, everyone was sort of shocked last week when uh, Ron Vitello, the, uh, who was supposed to lead the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, Uh, He had already gone through congressional hearings. He had been confirmed in one of the uh, Senate um, uh, committee hearings. He was pulled last week with Donald Trump announcing they want to go in a tougher direction. Whatever that means, I guess we're now beginning to see that um, that tougher direction as uh, Donald Trump is convinced, reportedly, that the family separation policy that he pretended he didn't care for last year and that he ended with an executive policy after his administration started it in the first place, uh, now he says he's convinced, reportedly, that uh, family separation policy is the most effective policy at deterring large numbers of asylum seekers. And this is reported to be one of the points of contention between Nielsen and uh, and Trump and the hardliners there at the White House, Uh, even though, by the way, uh, obviously that policy ended up resulting in even more families pouring up from uh, from the north. uh, I'm sorry, pouring up north from Central America. 
where last week the uh, administration also ended aid policies that they had been uh, that they had themselves admitted were helping to reduce the number of migrants. But yet now they have ended those uh, aid programs to Honduras, El Salvador and Guatemala. Also uh, down there where, yes, climate change is exasperating the situation and adding to poverty as drought continues to reduce the viability of the agriculture industry down there in nations uh, like Honduras and is sending folks up here. Uh, Desi Doyen, you had a a thought you wanted to jump in on here? Yeah, I just wanted to jump in really quick because just just to get this clear. So Kirsten Nielsen, the now resigning DHS Mm -hmm. secretary, so she implemented a deliberate policy of systemic child abuse in that family separation uh, policy that they implemented. And now she's been fired from the Trump administration for insufficient cruelty. Yes. Do I understand that right? Yes, you do, because she won't do it again because she won't implement it again because she went to uh, Donald Trump and said, no, I can't do that. The federal courts have told me it's unlawful. It's illegal. And Donald Trump said, "Okay, fine. Then you need to resign. That's kind of where we are, where, yeah, Kirsten Nielsen it was was no softy, man. Uh, She (laughs) put this stupid policy in place in the first place last year. So, yeah, you 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 got that right. These are very hard liners who are now pushing all of this stuff. Yeah. And the cruelty does appear to be the point of what they do. And and, and, and all of that said, uh, my my concern is that her replacement could be even worse and looks likely to be Uh, if there ever is a replacement. It'll just be some acting uh, person that Trump puts in there. We now have an acting defense secretary. We will have an acting head of the Department of Homeland Security. We have an acting White House chief of staff for some reason, even though the White House chief of staff does not need to be Senate confirmed. Donald Trump could just make uh, Mick Mulvaney the White House chief of staff without having to get Senate approval. He just likes to keep people hanging by a thread uh, so he can uh, feel like he can use and abuse and get rid of them anytime he wants, I guess. The I chaos president. Uh, indeed. 818-985-5735. Let me take one more call and then we'll uh, take a quick break and come back for more. Mark in Sherman Oaks. Uh, do we okay. got him now? There we go. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So anyway, I was there saying, I think we have to be optimistic in the long run. I know because I have a different perspective being from Europe, I mean American, but from Europe, Mm -hmm. than American people, especially on the left, if I can say the left, Mm -hmm. hate to feel bad, okay? So they want to feel good. And of course, Mr. Cool Barack made them feel super cool, okay? Especially after W. And now we have the ugliest of them all. But you know what? What? I think if... We cannot enforce a very difficult point of view on the left, like education and all that stuff. Then that means the country is not ready. And let it go to Trump again. And you know what? It's going to be such a mess that after a while, we're going to get rid of this far right thing for a long, long time. So, I'm, Mark, right I'm having trouble understanding what you're, what you're trying to say here. Are you suggesting... Let's on the left. Yes, let's ask for big things. Right. Okay? And, yeah. if, and if it makes Trump re-elected, so be it. That means the country is not ready. Hmm. Because all my liberal friends, when you talk about really lefty political view, especially on the economical point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not so on the left, you know what I mean? But they want to feel good. They want to have a woman as a president or a black man. Or I mean, 
But, but, hey, Mark, uh, how about uh, never mind a, a woman or a black man? How about just someone who is not going to end a um, a, 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 a nuclear uh, treatise, uh, uh, a treaty, I'm sorry, a nuclear treaty with uh, Iran to help us stay away from war? Somebody who won't uh, designate Iran's Revolutionary Guard as foreign terrorists, thus endangering right, right. Americans abroad. Right. That's what Donald Trump is doing right now. Brad, you are right. This person is horrible, okay? Uh -huh. These people don't understand that the problem is so much bigger than the Democrats or the Republicans. And notwithstanding that there is an economic problem that's coming. Mm -hmm. And if it happens after the Democrats get back to the White House, let's say in 2020, imagine what's going to happen. Because supposedly right now the economy is good. Yeah, right. Okay, but we hear that every day. Right. We, you know, so if someone on the left, okay, on the left, mm -hmm. okay, get elected and the economy crash, but imagine, Brad, I mean, we can, we're going to have someone on the right of Trump. Uh, yeah, I know. I understand. And, and actually, Mark, I think you and I are sort of thinking along the same lines. I think the question I is, what is the most important? Uh, getting the uh, policies that folks on the left, uh, that progressives may like, may want to hear, or removing this menace to the, uh, to, the, to the planet, frankly, that is currently in the White House. Sounds like you're saying it, it, it's, you know, there's no we have no control of that. What the voters are going to do, the voters are going to do if they want them for a, another uh, four years. So be it. Uh, I'm not I'm not so sure that's um, viable sure at this either. point. Let's, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. But what I know is that I know a crook of the Democrats are. OK, the Republicans are more straight shooter. Okay, Hillary Clinton had the guts to say, "Oh, when Bill came out of the White House, we were broke." So, come on, and now they worth five hundred fifty million dollar net worth. I mean, those. They, I mean, the way they lie to the electorate, it's amazing. The Republicans. Yeah. Say, we like I gotta God. tell you, Mark. We love God. Mark, I gotta tell you. I welcome those lies. If that's the only thing we have to worry about is how much Hillary Clinton says she's worth or not, I will take it because I can hold her accountable. We can say that out loud. We can do something about her, uh, her terrible positions. We can force a Democrat to do the right thing. That's a hell of a lot different than what we're seeing from this guy in the White House who I view as an existential threat, not just to this nation, but to this globe. So to co complain right. about the, co the, the, the corrupt uh, Democrats where you find them, oh, please, bring on some corrupt Democrats. I would prefer that to what we have now. Yes, Brad, I agree okay. with you, but the problem is bigger than that. You have to think 8, uh, 12, 16 years in the future, yeah. okay? Because, again, the okay. feeling that the Democrats are gaslighting us constantly. Okay, yes, we will feel better if Barack was killed. They're not gaslighting us constantly, the Democrats. You know what? They're they're cowardly. They're uh, sometimes they lie. They play it safe. And you know what we do? We hold them accountable or we vote them out of office. But this idea that you can compare in any way, shape or form 
the what the Democrats are doing to the Republican Party, which is so far off the rails. And this is not. Listen, I've gone to bat for Republicans who I find to be abhorrent when I've found that they have been screwed by the electoral system or or something else or by the media. But to even compare the two, I think does a a, a grave disservice to, uh, frankly, reality. Mark. Okay. Okay. Let's. Okay. And I don't want to take all of your time. Yeah, but I got to get to a break. You talk, you, you talk about danger. Yeah. Okay? Do you think if Hillary was president, there would be less danger of something happening with Russia than now? With Russia? Uh, Russia. Probably yeah, no. I think I think it would I think it would be more dangerous with Russia okay. uh, if yeah. Hillary was president, as I've okay. talked about for years. I didn't like her Russia yeah, her yeah. position on Russia. That is yeah. not the only danger that we face, Mark. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's not the only. Not by a long shot. Just ask the uh, hundred thousand folks who are showing up uh, at the border now every month. Just ask the people who are uh, losing their uh, their their houses, their homes, their their places of work due to climate change. Uh, I did not like her warmongering with Russia, Mark. But that's not the only issue. I got. I got to go. I got to go, Mark. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. Call us back another time. I appreciate the conversation. Uh, Take a quick break. Come back with some more of your calls at 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. No, the, the, the whatever threat there is with Russia, and I do not feel threatened by Russia at all, I should note, uh, that is not the only threat going on in the world. That is not the only thing that is a threat that is being perceived as a threat by politicians like Donald Trump, who broke the, uh, the anti-nuclear treaty that we had with Iran. Uh, that they still are uh, thankfully holding up their end of anyway. Uh, But now Donald Trump has declared uh, or is about to declare that the uh, Republican National Guard, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, is a foreign terrorist organization. This is the first time the U.S. has ever named a part of another nation's government as such a threat Uh, And this raises the risk of retaliation against American troops and intelligence officers, which is why the Pentagon, top Pentagon and CIA officials oppose that designation. According to The New York Times today, they argue that it would allow hardline Iranian officials to justify deadly operations against Americans overseas especially special operations units and paramilitary units working under the CIA. After Trump's announcement, Iran's Supreme National Security Council said it was designating the U.S. Central Command and troops who are actually in the Middle East uh, that are part of the military uh, that oversees operations in the Middle East, that uh, they are now calling for them, for the U.S. CENTCOM to be regarded 
as a terrorist organization. So this is going well. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, at least we're friendly with Russia right now. 818-985-5735. Let's go to Rick in San Pedro. Hey, Rick, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad, thank you. Uh, first, I'd like to go back to Bill a minute uh, with his uh, colorism and uh, Hollywoodism about black and white and reparations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that all that stuff right there is a distraction from what's going on. You know, we this country has been in bankruptcy since 1933. You can read that in the congressional record, March 5th, 1933. So if, we're, if this country is operating in bankruptcy and borrowing for, for everything, why would the candidates want to get reduce the pr- prison population less than 50% when the country is living off of the prisoners and the bonding of people? This is the way everything is paid for. So if you know anything about a cursory history of this country from the early 20th century, you will know that they set us all up as bonds. We are all bonded. You can you can see that on your birth certificate. It's it's a it's a bond paper issue. So I mean, mm. we, we have all the information, folks. We we really have to get off all this side talk about color and there's nobody black and there's nobody white. The word black means bleached out and pale. It does not mean what we call it. All right. And, and why would you call yourself a color when there's no country in the world named a color and there's no nationality in the world named a color? Okay. I am not black. I am a native of this country, okay. and my skin is melanated. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. I appreciate that call. Not entirely sure what he means by it. I am familiar with the essentially slave labor that is now being made available uh, by prisoners. Uh, well, actually made by the people who run the private prisons, who rent out their prisoners. But uh uh, beyond that, I'm not sure. Bill, by the way, uh, called back in to say that he is most definitely black and is happy to come here and prove it to us. Bill, you needn't do that. I believe you. You're welcome to, but I believe you. Uh, and I got 15 seconds for Mo in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, go for it, my friend. Oh, Morris. Something got serious. It got real serious. You're going to have to run for Secretary of State. We're going uh, to have a car wash to raise your application fee, and the church going to sell some dinners. Not a jumpy, she's going to run for office, too, but she's kind of resistant. If we're going to talk reparations, we're going to give the Native Americans one penny for every acre in this country first, and then we'll go from there. Get your application fee money ready, Brad, because you're running for the Secretary of State, whether you like it or not. Have a nice evening. I'm happy to have your vote, Mo, and I appreciate your call. That's it for us today. We will be back again tomorrow with another thrilling edition of the broadcast. Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our board operator, Gary Baca, to my guest today, Phil Aronianu of ACLU's National Rights for All campaign, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Download our programs anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. That's it. We'll meet again tomorrow. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.